0: welcome to here to fuck spiders hosted by myself hannah and alicia hello we are a couple of queer australian health professionals and we're here to talk about sexual health education and exploration but before we do so there is some things that we need to let you know so alicia can you take us away with a bit of a disclaimer
1: absolutely okay pals please be aware that we're going to discuss explicit and sexual themes At times, this might include sensitive topics such as sexual assault and violence. Also, we are Australian, so we do swear sometimes quite a lot. If this is not for you, feel free to keep scrolling. Also, please keep in mind that although we do have health degrees, we are by no means subject matter experts, and this is not a replacement for therapy or other medical interventions. If anything discussed in this podcast brings something up for you or raises any concerns, please discuss with the relevant medical professional in your area. The intention of this podcast is to share experiences and hold a space for discussion to educate and raise awareness for all. That being said, we are human, so we're going to fuck up occasionally, but we're here to learn. So please feel free to reach out and let us know when we don't get something right. But please be nice about it.
0: And we're back. Hey, guys. And gals. (laughs) And everything in between. And everyone
1: else. Yeah. Everyone's back for a second episode.
0: Thanks so much for listening to our first one. Yeah. yeah. Second episode. Here we go. Here we go. Electric Boogaloo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What is this episode about, Alicia? This episode is about consent. Mm -hmm. Um, My belief is that you went off and did a bit of a history check. I sure did. Yeah, we got stuck in a
0: bit of a wormhole (laughs) for a minute (laughs) Um, yeah so our initial plan was to do an episode about consent Mm -hmm. and then we stumbled upon the the fact that marital rape hasn't been a thing for most of history (laughs) which is quite upsetting and in fact it didn't get outlawed in Australia. That is, raping your spouse didn't get outlawed in Australia until 1994, mm. which is a little too. We got quite angry about it. Yeah, it's a bit too recent for comfort. Yeah, no, I feel uncomfortable about it. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, so why? Why did why did we want to do? Why did why did, why, <laughs> why did we want to <laughs> talk about consent?
1: We wanted to talk about consent because. I feel like consent frames the start of everything. Yes. From our perspective. Yeah. We've spoken about even when we were first thinking of doing this podcast Mm. that we were going to name it something around consent because to talk about lots of the things we want to talk about, we need to understand the framework of consent and what that can include Mm. um, to be able to move forward and have these discussions appropriately and with the nuance that we often would like. Yeah.
0: yeah I agree and I think that most often in throughout this podcast if you remain a regular listener please please do (laughs) we're probably going to be continually coming Mm. back to consent and so if we don't really unpack that concept and what we mean then we're probably doing a disservice and Mm. it's just as you said it's the foundation for everything Mm. um this is probably going to turn into a multi-part episode Mm.
1: so as we said of went off for the history check and we yep. were planning on just making it sort of a bit of a introduction to consent, like a 101, bit of education, but as we started digging our way through yeah, lots of the things that we wanted to unpack, it, it looks more like it's going to be probably a three-part yep. topic, conversation, looking yeah. into the history of consent, the laws around it, discussions of rape culture and coercion, and then the consent education that's yeah. happening now and... To go forward, really.
0: Yeah, correct. Mm. So, for today, we're probably just going to focus on the history of consent, uh, the history of rape and sexual assault laws, and common myths and beliefs, and how that has sort of shaped mm. society today. Yeah. yeah. Before we start, it might be helpful, I reckon, just to give like a little definition of what our understanding of consent is. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, yeah? absolutely.
0: So, do you have a definition? <laughs> is it something you're real out at parties to be like, well, actually. Actually,
1: uh, just from my brain, yeah. um, I'd say consent is agreeing to do something mm-hmm. that you want to do, so it's not with pressure, it's not, you know, when you're being coerced to do something, it's because you've decided you want to do it and you fully understand what you're agreeing to. Yeah. I think that's the main thing that I normally come to with consent is that you – both parties know or all parties know what you're agreeing to Yeah, and that you are keen and willing to participate throughout the whole process and that you also have the option to retract that consent at any point in time with no consequence Mm -hmm. is my understanding.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think – Most often that's where my brain goes as well, to the informed part of Mm. consent. And I think often you may think of consent more in terms of like a medico-legal sense Mm -hmm. before you think of it in a sexual sense because very often you know we're signing waiver forms, not just in a medical sense actually, Mm. in lots of different scenarios you find like signing a form to say that you've been informed about all the risks and you agree to take that on. So that's part of consent but I think it gets more complicated nowadays as we're having conversations about as you said being able to retract that consent without Mm -hmm. any consequence or in a risk-free way is much more important when we come to sexuality Mm. and sexual context so it's hard to give it a one-liner definition Definition, Yeah, yeah yeah which i think then is another barrier to having conversations about it because people go oh Well, this is a bit complicated and it sounds hard and I just came here to the party to, you know, drink champagne.
1: (laughs) Why are you talking about consent? I just bought myself a drink. It's not the best party conversation. It's it's
0: a pretty heavy conversation, Mm. um, particularly in today's current context with you know, Me Too movements and all that sort of stuff. But
1: that's also why it's an
0: important conversation yeah. to have, yeah. and I think
1: it's important to discuss it in lots of different contexts as well. Yes, and how it can look. Being the person who's trying to check in, as far as making sure that consent is there, and also on the other end being able to set those boundaries, you know, yeah. and that can look so different, like you said, in a signing a waiver versus having a conversation with someone one-on-one in an intimate setting. Mm. Obviously, completely different forms of consent, but I think it's still important to understand. Yes. How that looks. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So, we also got some actual formal definitions. Would of you consent like
1: to as well. tell me about your formal sure. definition? Sure.
0: So, I got my formal definition from the Australian Institute of Family Studies. Uh-huh. So, their definition is that consent is an individual's free agreement to participate in an activity. Consent can only be given if it's free and voluntary without fear, coercion, intimidation or anything else that inhibits free agreement. Mm. Consent also needs to be actively communicated in order to establish a free agreement. This is known as positive consent. It is not enough to say that an individual consented just because they did not refuse or resist. Uh, uh How do you feel about that definition?
1: that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty comprehensive. Yeah, and I feel like it touches on lots of the things that we just spoke about as well. It's... Mm very inclusive i would say absolutely yeah
0: i do like that they include the capacity for things that they haven't actually actively listed in there so they say that uh consent can only be given if it's free and voluntary without fear
1: or anything else that inhibits free agreements so they've sort of they haven't limited themselves to being like just alcohol or just yeah you know certain circumstances
0: absolutely and i think that's what's so often missing from the conversation around consent is the Nuance of it because Mm -hmm. all of the situations that you can get yourself into Mm -hmm. in a sexual context are going to be different. Mm -hmm. There's no situation that's going to be exactly the same Mm -hmm. as somebody else's experience, and so you need the ability and the flexibility to be able to consider those nuances, Mm -hmm. which is what I like about that definition.
1: Yeah, I really like that too. Yeah, I'll tell you my definition now. Please do. So, my definition comes from Chantel Otten, who is a sexologist. Um, this definition says consent is voluntary agreement to an act it is progressive consent should not be assumed consent can be withdrawn at any time consent cannot be validly given by a person who is incapacitated Mm -hmm. that's the definition
0: yeah I like the inclusion of it being progressive Mm. what's
1: your understanding of that that throughout the act as it evolves and changes you're constantly sort of like getting check-ins and making sure that there's cues to still say that, yes, we are still happy with what's happening and what's unfolding, Mm. and that continues to go along. Yeah, absolutely. How do you find that? I like
0: that. I like sort of picturing... Uh, I guess, like a sexual act, almost like a highway and you've got mm. lots of different exits along the way and mm. you can choose to get off at any point. Yep. So just because you're making out with someone doesn't mean that you actually need to go ahead with sexual acts or just mm. because you start engaging in a sexual act doesn't mean that you can't be like, oh,
1: actually, you know what? I'm not feeling it or something's happened or I'm uncomfortable mm. or just, you know. Or I want to stay here. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, like it doesn't even have to be taken as a rejection. It can just be like... I really like what we're doing right now. I don't want to move on to the next thing yeah. yet or at all. Yeah. And that'll be okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I do I do think that the inclusion of
0: it being progressive is cool mm. and important. Yeah, I quite like yeah. that. Nice. Why do you reckon we need to have a conversation about consent more generally in society today?
1: Because there are big consequences when yeah. consent is not understood. Yeah. Um, and I think we are seeing that play out. More and more, as people start to come forward, and Mm. as the, I guess, as the bubble is lifted, like Mm. people are starting to have more confidence and are being more supported in coming forward with sexual assault experiences and rape allegations and things like that. Yeah, Um, Yeah. I'd say that's one of the reasons. What Mm. about you?
0: Yeah, definitely, and I think you know, further than just people getting in trouble or people having had horrendous things happen to them it has huge consequences for the health of those people that are having these things happen to mm. them but also the health of our society if we've mm. got whole generations of people who are being abused being violated and then suffering the mental health consequences mm. of that the physical health consequences the socio-economic consequences of you know then not being able to meet society's expectations mm, so Ex- for expectations expectations <laughs> Instead of backsliding into poverty, depression, disability, mm. all of those sorts of things, yeah. then, yeah, the
1: consequences are just huge. Yeah. Um, so... I think that's why it's important absolutely. that we have these conversations and yeah. that it not be, sort of like you said, how, it, like, it can be a really heavy conversation to have. That's why people yeah. stay away from it but yeah. I think the more we have this conversation the less scary that it feels yeah and the less intense it has to be because yeah. it's not just a one conversation of this is the con- consequence and this is how intense it is it is constantly being able to filter that
0: conversation through absolutely and it does mean that when we don't have these conversations all the time the only time we do have this conversation is in the context of somebody has been horrifically mm. raped or something awful has happened or you know for example when we saw what was going on with Britney Higgins and mm. the allegations of rape within Parliament House so we only have this conversation when it is really serious yeah. and that does make it automatically a really heavy mm. really
1: complicated conversation instead of having a a more casual conversation on an everyday basis. And I think that's the thing, though, is that consent is not only relevant to, you know, rape allegations, like a super intense situations. Yes. So like that, can, you consent to things all the time. Mm, you all know? day, every day. All day, every day when mm. you're asking someone if they want to come for coffee with you or yep. if they want to catch up or any of those sorts of things, are little, little check-ins along the way. Yes, yep. they're not sexual. Mm. But, I mean, if we provided education young to yes. people explaining that this is Allowed, You know, even like you have that classic story of, you know, when you're younger and you introduce someone to a family member and it's like, oh, go give your uncle a hug. Or if you don't want to give them a hug. Yeah. You know, being able to say, Oh actually I don't want to. Yeah. And having that agency over your own body. Yeah. In those like non sexual acts, I think is really
0: important. That's right, that's right. And if we normalize talking about it within context other than just, as you said, those really hectic scenarios, mm-hmm. then everybody hopefully becomes a little bit more comfortable with it and we have a much healthier attitude and approach towards consent across the spectrum. Yeah, that's what we're aiming for. That is what we are aiming for. That's the utopia. That's the utopia. Mm -hmm. Um, I did get some stats that also highlight, I guess, why it's important that we talk about consent just as Australians generally in society. So the 2016 Personal Safety Survey by the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare Mm -hmm. found that 2 million Australians have experienced sexual assault since the age of 15. So yeah. yeah, It's it's pretty That's awful. Yeah. That's it's not great. Um so out of that proportion, one point six million were women and three hundred and eighty five thousand were men. Mm. I don't have any stats there about people who identify as non binary or queer. Mm. I only have stats for women and men there. So um, but we do know from other research that people who are queer identify as gender non-conforming or non-binary do generally face higher levels of violence and sexual assault as mm-hmm. well. So I think we can be pretty safe in saying the stats for those people are probably not great either. Uh, yeah. um, the other concerning factor is that between 2010 and 2018, the rates of sexual assault victimisation recorded by police for Australians aged 15 and over rose by more than 30%. So we're not doing great. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. 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 Bit, bit depresso. Um, big numbers. They're big numbers and they're getting bigger. Yeah. The Which caveat, is not, unfortunately,
1: like, it's not surprising. No. You know, like I hear that and it, it breaks my heart. Yeah. Like I hate it, but it's it's not particularly surprising that they're the numbers that we are seeing at the yes. moment.
0: yeah, exactly. And uh, I think it's also important that we just note that those numbers might not be getting bigger because there's actually more assault happening. Mm. They might be getting bigger because people are more comfortable with reporting Mm and there's more coverage about it now, there's more support available for it now, all of those sorts of Mm -hmm. things. Um, But either way, it's still not great. No, it's not great.
1: Yeah. And I guess that's the other thing is looking at those numbers and how large they are, Mm -hmm. that is also with the understanding of how many people don't report. Yes. You know, that is like you need to like that is part of that. Yeah, well. so
0: the research shows us that a lot of people don't report. Therefore, even though these numbers are large, they're probably actually bigger than that mm. even in actuality if we were accounting for the people that we don't know about at yeah. this stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought that it might be helpful for me to talk about some of the myths and misconceptions that people have around mm-hmm. sexual assault and rape in Australia. Can you, Alicia, think of, like, any
1: myths around rape or sexual assault or consent? Yeah. Yeah? Um, I don't know if they class in, like, the myths. I'm not really sure where sure you yeah. call them. Just, like, what, what is, what's the stuff that you've heard what about? Are the stories, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the, the stories about how if someone has been sexually assaulted or raped, often the stories that then follow is, like, it's questioning how much did they have to drink or... What were they wearing or why were they on their own like it's often looking at the behaviors surrounding the person who was assaulted yeah not actually the person that assaulted them Uh, yep so a lot of victim blaming lots of victim blaming Mm -hmm. yeah um i guess i can't actually think of any other ones at the moment but it's like all around that sort of notion i guess yeah
0: yeah so i'll run you through some of the ones that I found. So um, this comes from places like the 2017 National Community Attitudes Towards Violence Against Women Survey. Mm-hmm. Um. So some of the most concerning ones is that sexual assault is most likely to be con- committed by a stranger and that a woman cannot be sexually assaulted by their spouse. Mm. So, oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah um, I was going to say that's another one, actually. It's a big one. It's hey? a big one that you consider the the rapist is always that stranger in the alleyway. Mm-hmm. Like, even I remember as a kid, like the, like, the conversation around the the man in the white van. Yeah. Um, If a stranger comes up to you, you know, making sure that you run and you kick and you, you know, but not considering that often, it could be someone that you know, someone that you trust.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think
1: we, we touched
0: on this a little bit in the first episode where we were talking about what did your sex ed include? And the mm-hmm. same for me. It was very much around if you were... A female presenting person you got education about how to keep yourself safe and uh-huh. then you, know, you were responsible for your own safety yeah. and very much same deal it was beware of the stranger in the mm. trench coat and beware of the white band that pulls up yeah. next to you and very focused on this sort of dark shadowy figure yeah with either you know complete ignorance or like, willful ignoring of the fact that we know from research the majority of people are actually sexually assaulted by someone that is known to them Mm. or very close to them because they're the people that have the opportunities to get
1: close, to groom people, and to commit these kinds of offences. Which does also, I feel like, feed into that victim-blaming notion because Mm. then if you are someone who experiences a sexual assault, Mm -hmm. there's this notion of, well, I, I didn't protect myself well enough you know, like, exactly. oh, I shouldn't have had so much to drink, or, yeah. you know, I should have known, or, or maybe I didn't kick and scream, you know, lots yeah. of people freeze, yeah. like, as a trauma response, mm. and, like, but then that immediately puts it back on you, going, I haven't done enough to get myself out of this situation. Exactly, or I should never have put myself in that situation,
0: mm. which then makes you even less likely to go and tell people, because you don't think you're going to get a sympathetic response and some people don't give you a sympathetic response yeah. because oh well what did you expect was going
1: to happen yeah. when you behave like that or when you dress like that. Or Instead of looking at the person who was the perpetrator and going how dare you exactly. do these acts. Yeah and it you
0: know very often in court cases that sort of information has been brought up and these myths have been played into. They'll go, oh, well, look at her sexual history. Mm. Look at the kind of person that she was. They'll bring up photos from someone's social media or the fact that they've been sexting someone and use that as evidence for the fact that, well, the fact in their mind, quote-unquote fact, that this person would have consented to that Mm -hmm. act. Um so one in 5 people were unaware that non-consensual sex in marriage is against the law.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I just
0: cuz it's outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. And in a way, okay. I mean what I, age are we I, I was going to say you can't blame them, but you can. <laughs> but you can't <laughs> you can. but you can. But you can't blame them when it was only in 1994 that all marital rape in all states and territories of Australia was illegal. So that's
1: within my lifetime. I was going to say that's very recent. Yeah. Which just doesn't
0: feel okay.
1: It Um, doesn't feel okay, but it also does explain why there's people still going, oh, but I just thought I owned her. Yeah. And our vows meant that that was consent. Yeah. Yep.
0: Because up until very recently... Vows did mean consent forever. Forever and can't be retracted. Can't be retracted, essentially. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we'll talk about that a little bit later and where that sort of comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, Another myth and statistic for you is that a true or genuine victim of sexual assault does not delay in reporting, and one in ten people believe that women were probably lying about sexual assault if they did not report it straight away. How do we feel about that?
1: (laughs) Bullshit.
0: yeah like and i mean what about let's talk about some of the reasons why someone might not report
1: a sexual assault straight away so i mean shame shame absolutely i mean in this current day and age even just not feeling like you're gonna be believed or supported yep i mean if you want to go into the fact that if you've just been violated mm-hmm. by someone, maybe you don't want to take yourself to the hospital to get a rape kit. Yeah. And then have all of these people ask you invasive questions and do invasive testing. Yeah. That could be very confronting.
0: Maybe you can't because we just covered that it's very often happening by someone who's close to you or mm. at least someone that you know. Mm. So if that's a family member or your spouse, what do you go, okay, honey, I'm just going to take myself to the
1: hospital now. Yeah. That's not how that's that not works. Happening. Yeah. Also, if people don't have the education to even understand what's happened to them, mm-hmm. lots of people just go like, you might have the feeling of like, that didn't feel right. Yes. Or that wasn't nice or I didn't enjoy that. Mm. but sometimes it's not until years later that you've actually put the language to it and been able to go, that was sexual assault or that was rape, you know? And then, like, you obviously wouldn't have taken yourself anywhere or you wouldn't have reported it because you didn't even know that's what had happened until years later. Exactly. And again,
0: you know, we've just talked about the shame and the victim blaming around it as well. Mm. If you feel that you have somehow gotten yourself into that situation Mm. and you're responsible for what has happened. And often perpetrators complain to that as Mm. well, particularly when we're talking sort of grooming and the sexual assault and abuse of younger people, Mm. they will gaslight you to make you feel like... You're already blaming yourself. Yeah, exactly. I I did this. So why would you go report it to anyone if you feel like you
1: deserve it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. There's so many reasons why that is just not... Absolutely. even like to the other end of it, if you were drunk or if you were drugged, you might not remember it, Yeah. you know, or like trauma memories often get blacked out of your brain and like it's your body's response to protect you mm. and then it might not be until years later that you actually have those memories to go, this is what happened and mm. I remember now, you yeah. know.
0: Yeah, which actually, thank you for the uh, <laughs> transition because That's it okay. leads into our next one women and children are inherently unreliable and lie about sexual assault <laughs> so <laughs> when someone doesn't have clear memories or inconsistent uh, mm. memories about what has happened then that very often means that they cannot be legally successful yeah. in trying pursuing. in pursuing yeah well, legal action against a perpetrator yeah. um and For large periods of history, women and children were required to be corroborated in legal proceedings. Mm. So basically what that means is that the opinion of a woman or the testimony of a woman was not equal to that of a man. Mm. And so a woman could testify in court, but her testimonial would need to be corroborated to confirm confirm that she's actually telling the truth. (laughs) which that's just not going to happen. No, it's not. And so we're not we're not in that situation anymore, mm. but there are parts of the population that are subject to that and largely being children and those with a disability mm. are very often considered to be unreliable or anyone with mental illness mm-hmm. as well, which, you know, if you've been raped, chances are
1: your mental health might not be great. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. But also, like, even just sort of, talking about like trauma memories yes like the way that I remember like chatting to my therapist about this Mm. and the way that she explained it was essentially that if you think about your memories being filed in like an organized manner like Mm. when you have trauma memories they like get sort of like broken up and shoved away in different areas yeah and so like that's why often like you go to therapy to then help you process certain Mm -hmm. things but it's also why when you're trying to think back over memories, you get bits and pieces of things, and it's why things don't make sense yep. at the time, and why, if you, you know, from an outward perspective, you're describing to someone what happened, why it might sound like you're, you know, trying to piece bits together, because you literally are. Yeah, for sure. You know?
0: Yeah. Um. There's another myth that the accusation of rape is easily made but difficult to challenge, and two in five people agreed that it was common for sexual assault accusations to be used as a way of getting back at men. So I guess that leads into the current environment that we have today where, you know, particularly in the Me Too movement, a lot of really prominent men in the community, leaders, artists, all that sort of thing, were Mm. accused of sexual assault or rape or really horrific behaviour and there was a lot of backlash around protecting the reputation of these Mm. people or that, you know, their lives had been ruined on the basis of the 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 allegations. Allegations. I was going to say, you see that
1: all the time mm, these days. It's quite common that you have, you know, an often you're looking at this from a place of that person may have success you know yeah. they're like well why would you come out with this allegation at this time yeah and it's like maybe maybe they're sick of them using their position of power to continue to get away with things
0: yeah you know yeah and i guess
1: the me too movement gave a lot of
0: people the Uh, I guess the comfort, the security of knowing that they would actually be believed Mm. because for so long that they weren't believed and that they had other people who had similar experiences so they have the support in community in that
1: way. Um, But the idea that you would use that against someone, Mm. like that you would lie Mm. just to use that against someone, I mean, like we still see that as a narrative of like, oh, well, it's – do you really want to come forward with that? It's gonna ruin his. It's gonna ruin his career. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay, let's move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Some sexual assaults are more serious and damaging than others, and non-consent is verbally articulated, evidenced by struggle, and results in physical injuries. So, one in eight people agreed that a man is justified in having non-consexual sex if a woman initiated intimacy in a scenario where the couple had just met, and one in seven agreed that this was justified in a scenario where the couple were married and the woman initiated the intimacy. Right. So, there, there was a few different ones there, mm. actually. Let's just work backwards through it. So, we've got, again, the one in seven people essentially believing that marital rape doesn't exist. mm mm-hmm. We've got one in eight people essentially saying that it's fine to continue having sex with a woman if she initiated the intimacy. Mm.
1: So there's sort yeah, of things. So she started it then naturally the rest of it is just going to follow. Yeah. and I it could guess... be as simple as, you know, if you've started kissing someone, mm-hmm. you know, if I've initiated kissing someone, mm-hmm. then the idea is that anything that follows. Yeah well, I started it. Yeah, so
0: it's really contrary to, if we skip back to when we were talking about the definitions of consent, mm. really contrary to that idea of consent being progressive, yeah. it's very like, if you've consented to this one act, or if you acted like you wanted it, mm. then that means, ergo ipso facto, mm-hmm. <laughs> consent to the whole lot, Yeah. no matter what. Yeah. Um, which Consent be- by default. Consent by default, yeah. which becomes a big problem particularly with the idea of, of victim shaming being part of the, the culture quite prevalently,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that if you are going to be engaging in any kind of casual sex, mm. then you're more likely to have sort of this evidence of that implied consent. As in, if you agree to go on a date right, yeah. via Tinder... Almost from that moment that you've swiped on the app... You're is You're yeah, yeah. You've ticked the box. Yeah. So... Too bad. Mm. If you know, if that turns out to go really wrong yeah. later, you can't really. Yeah, these people are pretty much saying that. Well, no. Yeah. That was consent. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Um. And so, let's get back to the consent is verbally articulated, evidenced by a struggle, and results in physical injuries. Why is that wrong? Wait, can you just say that again? Sorry. No. Um, the myth that Mm non-consent is verbally articulated evidenced by struggle
1: and results in physical injuries right okay so so that is the only way that this population of people are believing that you would see non-consent
0: yeah essentially the myth is that if you've been raped you're going to have physical injuries you would have tried to fight them off Mm. you would have basically done whatever you could to get out of that situation and if they were really raping you then it would have been violent. Right. Or if they were really sexually assaulting you, it would have been violent. Yeah. So we know that that's not the case. No,
1: absolutely not. Why Why is that not the case? I mean, it doesn't make room for, I mean, two trauma responses that I can think of. Yeah. If you think of, I mean, we'll break them down. Yeah. So we've got your fight or flight, Mm -hmm. which I guess is what they're talking about. Yeah. They're looking for your fight response. Yeah. But if you're in a situation where you can't run away mm. as well, so you can't flight, yep. you've got freeze, Yep, is another response that lots of people, you know, so you literally, like, you're stuck right. where you are. Yeah. Not engaging, mm. but just... You sort of disassociate. Yeah, like disassociating, yeah. but you're still there, and so you wouldn't be seeing then that kicking, yeah, that pushing off, all of that. But then the fourth response is actually fawn. I don't know if you've heard about that. Fawn. No, teach me about this. Yeah, so the fourth, fourth, like, trauma response that you often see is fawning which is when someone essentially sort of gives in to the act right so the way that it can be seen is like often when we're talking about being like i didn't like i didn't really want to do it Mm -hmm. but oh like i just i gave him head so that we didn't have to have sex
0: right so it's often
1: why it's there's become sorry let me get my words Mm -hmm. there's had a lot of literature come out from the Weinstein cases Mm -hmm. about because then often they'd still be going to, like, dinner Mm -hmm. afterwards or they'd still be, like, Mm -hmm. polite afterwards Mm -hmm. and that's part of this fawning response is that you are appeasing the situation to protect yourself.
0: I see. Okay, so I I think I was aware of this but I didn't have language Mm. to it because there is all of these scenarios where – You do have to run that calculus as the vulnerable person in that scenario. Okay, this person's physically bigger than me. This person's capable of a monumental level of violence which could really harm me. Or this person has a considerable amount of power, Power. so they could fire me. They could ruin my life. They could make things really difficult. So I just didn't have a word to encapsulate yeah, so all of that, so it. thank you.
1: They call that the fawning, fawning response. response. Okay. And it's tr- like true traditionally or it's more commonly seen in women, mm-hmm. which is because that is often where you're seeing this big sort of power and strength dynamic. Yes. Sort of that change there. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that doesn't account. You wouldn't be seeing bruises and things like that. No, exactly. But it, I know that, like, I've been in those sorts of situations where you've done that calculation of do I feel so safe I- enough yeah to say no in a way that could result in an aggressive response absolutely no i don't think i am yeah and then you do what is safe for you to get out of that yeah in an appeasing way. Yeah, you, you essentially know?
0: make compromises to ensure your own safety yep. and similar like I've been in those Actually. situations before. Yep. And it doesn't mean that it's any less damaging. It might be less physically damaging, mm. but only because you have played that war game
1: in your like mind. Like you've already gone through the sort of the scenario, the many scenarios mm-hmm. in your head of how yeah. this could play out. And often it then also means like the reason why people don't believe this as well is then at a later date, like you then might still – Smile at them when you see them or yes. well, you might still have conversations with them and people will go then, well, how can that have been assault Yes, if you're still playing into this yeah. while you playing nice? Yeah. But that is
0: literally what it is. And how can you stand to be around your abuser if they really did that to you and mm. you kind of have to explain how you don't have any power in that scenario to make things any different? Yep. And so this is what you need to do to continue to survive yeah. in that so circumstance. It's, a, it's complete survival mode. Absolutely. So yeah. that
1: myth just doesn't... Doesn't apply. Doesn't apply. Doesn't, doesn't apply. apply. Not Busted. valid.
0: Um, some sexual assaults are more serious and damaging than others. How do we feel about
1: that myth? I mean, I don't know what to say that. It. Yeah, it's kind of bullshit.
0: I guess what it m- is probably referring to is people not taking the rape or assault of, say, sex workers very seriously mm. um, because they're already giving it away. So, yeah. so what does it matter? Like, that kind of Just holding gross value attitude. Yeah. Um, or, and again, comes into the victim shaming, oh, well, you know, she was going out every Saturday night and she was sleeping around and look at how many Tinder matches she mm. had. So she's being a slut anyway. So mm. does what it really will matter? Expect? Will she even remember, like... Or, again, oh, well, it wasn't a capital R rape or it yeah. wasn't a violent rape yeah. or it wasn't super serious mm. assault, so, therefore,
1: just get over it. Yeah, like mm. bringing it to that co-version cool side of things. Yeah. Like, oh, but that was her That was her partner. Mm. She's had sex with him before. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's not
0: serious. That's not as that, serious. That doesn't matter.
1: they love each other. Yeah. You know, doesn't yeah. account for the fact that you didn't want to and you said no. And yeah. You weren't in the mood, but
0: yeah, exactly. That's not
1: serious because it's different circumstance. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's not a stranger in the other way. Yeah,
0: exactly, yeah. exactly. Which um, dismisses the fact that all sexual assault and rape is damaging, mm. regardless of who it's with or the level of seriousness. Absolutely, it's all bad. It's all bad. It's all bad. Just don't do it, folks. Don't do it. Less would be great. Yeah, less or none. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bonus stat for you, one in three people believed that rape resulted from men not being able to control their need for sex. (laughs) 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 Yeah, yeah, vomit. Um, How do we feel about that concept? Well, yeah,
1: I mean, Mm. if we want to look at men as just being pure Neanderthals with no... Impulse control, yeah, which I would love to say in this day and age. Surely, mm. given that we have such developments and we aren't doing things from prehistoric times like we used to be, yeah, that we would understand that we have also progressed mm-hmm. in this way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just bullshit, yeah. Um, and then on the other side of it, women also have sexual urges. Absolutely, they, they are sexual beings. Sometimes maybe their libidos are way more absolutely. other men or yeah. right? even if we want to talk about you know I've been in same sex relationships and or like when I've been in a situation where I've been interested in someone mm. I've never assaulted someone because I just couldn't control my urges yeah you know absolutely so,
0: I think it does it does a massive disservice to men who we simultaneously have decided are the most appropriate leaders for right. our society. So Be- we're saying that they can't, but they also can't control themselves. Oh, that doesn't sound like someone who should have the nuclear
1: codes to no, me. It doesn't. Which also, <laughs> like, if you're a man, why are you accepting this as a narrative that's coming about you? Yeah, you know, you want to hide behind that as an excuse. Mm. Like, yeah, that it also just, just seems bewildering. It's to very you.
0: illogical. It doesn't it make makes a lot no of sense. sense. Yeah. So I think we can safely say that that's bullshit. All the myths have been busted. (laughs) All the myths, incorrect. Mm -hmm. So what I might do is I'm just going to go through sort of the historical laws and cultural thinking Mm -hmm. uh, bit by bit and then I'm going to link it back to some of those myths and some of those laws so we can sort of see them in creation, Mm -hmm. exactly where it came from. Before I get into that, I have a couple of disclaimers. We're all about disclaimers in this show. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Firstly... It's going to come from a very Eurocentric and Judeo-Christian lens. So the re- what I mean by that is, like, the history of Europe and mm-hmm. Britain and mostly, frankly, white people. Mm-hmm. Okay. The reason for that is because in Australia, being a colonised country, that's largely what we are mm. influenced that's by. That's our history. That's our history, mm-hmm. right? Um that doesn't mean that the history of people of color, of different cultures, different religions, etc., 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 is any less valid. Yeah, it's just not what we're talking about right here. And this is where the consequences are coming from. As exactly. Well. Yeah. Um, also, Judeo-Christian lens, lens, Sean Connery, <laughs> <laughs> lens, lens, <laughs> lens. Uh, because again, being a Western colonized country from Mother Britain, uh-huh. we are like our laws are very much influenced by Judeo-Christian teachings Mm -hmm. and they still are sort of set on those principles, which Mm -hmm. is why it's coming from that place. Um, Again, not saying that any other religions Mm -hmm. or any other Mm -hmm. teachings are less valid. It's just that that's what is predominantly influential here. Mm -hmm. Also, it's going to be very heterocentric. Reason for that is because historically a lot Mm -hmm. of homosexual relationships have not been allowed or haven't been very public. Mm. Um, I think it's important to note that historically a lot of lesbian relationships aren't maybe not condoned, but they're not explicitly illegal. Whereas a lot of gay relationships historically have been illegal. Mm. So we can get some information about what homosexual people or homosexual gay people have Mm. been doing simply from legal records of them being arrested or punished, but it's difficult to get that information about lesbians. Mm-hmm. Um and I guess the other thing is that now retroactively we can go through history and we can sort of see, okay, well, these women had a very close friendship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they Just
1: best Gal pals. Just real best
0: gal pals. <laughs> and we can go okay, we think that likelihood is that they were engaging in a relationship, but we can't say for right. certain. Um, similar for men, although, again, we do have those stats of them being arrested or yeah. being punished in, in some circumstances so we can get some sort of an idea. But because of the, that context, mm-hmm. people who conducted homosexual relationships did it on the down low. Yeah. And so it's very hard. It to, was not safe. It was not safe mm-hmm. to do so. So it's very hard to get an idea of what's going on. And obviously there weren't a lot of nuanced legal writings about them other than, "is bad, don't do don't it. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. which makes it difficult um the other things to keep in mind when I talk about history is translation particularly from ancient cultures Mm. is very dodgy Mm. (laughs) um you know the things that we're drawing from have been written in languages that are some of them are now dead Mm. some of them have been you know created so Mm. many centuries ago that it just has no relation to today Mm. you know the, the translations of it are not the most reliable sometimes and we need to keep that in mind so we can do the best that we can we can go to the experts who have studied the cultures Mm. and who think that they know what's going on but we need to bear in mind that we're never going to know the whole picture of it i mean it's like we were just having a conversation Mm. earlier today that you know in a millennia from now if people were trying to understand Australian slang, Mm. they would think that we were actually fucking spiders.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which would be a big misunderstanding.
0: Huge misunderstanding about
1: what that particular idiom actually means. Yeah, which is why lots of these things need many pinches of salt. Yes. With the information.
0: Exactly. Um. Also, many of these cultures historically may not have been particularly literate. They may not have been writing, and so the culture's that did record history of them were not actually of that culture. So the the typical saying is that history is written by the victor. Mm -hmm. So somebody would colonise someone and then they would write about them. They would write about them in a particularly negative way Mm. because they're trying to prove their own propaganda purposes. So just as we do that today, it would be naive to think that historical people didn't do that as well. So Mm -hmm. we also need to consider... The purpose of yeah. the person writing different the history, different lens, exactly. Yeah. Um, also, mm-hmm. you could do a PhD on all of this if oh, you wanted yeah. to. So, like, I'm just going to give you the tiniest little mm. snippet and a glimpse of history, a glimpse, just
1: a little history check.
0: This is by no means all of it. Mm. You know, <laughs> don't come, for, don't, don't, come, for her. Don't, come <laughs> don't come for me. Okay. As it I, was, I had to be like, we're going to make it quick. And brief. (laughs) (laughs) I am at best an armchair historian. (laughs) I am not an expert. Just don't come for me, guys, okay? (laughs) Of course, if you, you know, if you do have any feedback, we'd love to hear it. Mm -hmm. Or if you have any...
1: Sort of like facts that other people have found interesting. We have, might have some history buffs out there that have things they'd like to share. Absolutely, we would love to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I do get anything grossly wrong, definitely
0: correct yeah, me. Yeah. But I'm just letting you know that you know this is just a tiny glimpse. This mm. is not everything
1: that there is to know. Just providing a bit of context, and with that, okay. it sounds like it's time for it sure our sure is history. Test. It sure is history.
0: So. We're going to go all the way back, rewind Mm -hmm. to the Paleolithic and Neolithic (laughs) era. Nice. (laughs) When I say Paleolithic and Neolithic, what do you think of?
1: I think a dominosaurus, (laughs) which which I know that's way too far back.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So we're not at dinosaurs.
1: Well, paleo, paleo diet is the only other thing that I have going on. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So this is, we call this era prehistory mm-hmm. because there's no writing. Oh. So the fact that people think that they can they know can document on it. what paleolithic people were eating, mm. grow up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. It's your right to eat what you want to eat. Uh, but seriously. Just don't seriously. Say you know coming from that. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm coming out as as not a fan of the paleo diet here. But, um, yeah, so, look, we're looking at roughly 2.5 million years before Common Era. Do you know what I mean when I say before Common Era? No. Okay. No. Do you remember from history when people would say BC and
1: AD? Absolutely. And what did that mean? Before Christ and... A.D. After death. death, Yeah. Uh, uh, (laughs) Correct. I
0: really listened to this. You did. You you did. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Top student. Thank you. Um, So, essentially what they did is they decided to mark that as, like, year zero when Christ died. When the... Jesus Jesus Christ? Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> when? When was this marking? So they would marked that as year zero, oh, essentially, oh, yeah, yeah. right? So from Christ dying as year zero, mm-hmm. when we go backwards from that, mm-hmm. we've got um, BC, BC, before Christ, Yeah, okay? Post, we've got AD. And post, we've got AD, mm-hmm. yep. Um, so people have replaced BC and AD with BCE, before Common Era and after Common Era, so it's not so christ focus. Right,
1: okay. Yeah, because
0: okay. not everybody believes So that's what we're that. talking about. So that's what we're talking about mm-hmm. when I say BC, mm-hmm. before common era, okay? So Jesus ain't a thing yet, right? We've got before <laughs> common era. Jesus ain't a thing. <laughs> Jesus ain't a thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We haven't heard of
1: BCE. Take me back. BCE.
0: So we're looking two point five million years BCE, all the way mm-hmm. over here to about ten thousand BC. So we haven't we haven't discovered crust yet. Mm-mm. He hasn't done anything yet. Um, we're thinking getting around in furs. Mm-hmm. We're thinking Stone Age. Mm-hmm. We're discovering fire. Okay. Yeah. You know, we're really we're developing language. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. We're bums
0: mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So obviously it's prehistory. We don't know anything much we did used to think that neanderthals had died out right Mm -hmm. and that there was no neanderthal blood Mm -hmm. but we've actually got that completely wrong and homo sapiens sapiens did actually breed quite a lot with neanderthals and their understanding is that there was actually quite a rich culture between the two um so we don't the, the typical depiction is caveman dragging woman off by hair mm. but we've now discovered art from that era we've now discovered that actually neanderthal tribes and homo sapiens sapien tribes were living in what might have been harmony okay so uh, look i'm not saying it was probably great but i'm just saying something. that it was more complex than what people have historically thought yeah. And so instead of thinking of, like, Ugg and Gronk mm-hmm. and Ugg is dragging Gronk away mm-hmm. by her hair, it may have been more complex than yeah, okay. that. So just keep that in mind. But yeah. really, heck
1: knows. Heck, heck, heck knows. Because we, we weren't writing yet. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so how does this relate to our consent and our myths? Well, I guess
0: <laughs> you, you can sort of think of this in terms of, the ideas of masculinity and femininity and what is natural for people Mm. to be doing. So there can be arguments around, well, Back in like the-
1: those gender roles already getting established, yeah,
0: pretty much. Like, if we're thinking, you know, back in the caveman day, the woman would be gathering berries and looking after the home, and mm-hmm. the man would be out hunting like he should be to mm-hmm. be a real man, mm-hmm. which is kind of concerning that we're aspiring to be cave people. I thought we were moving further away from this, <laughs> I thought that's what the aim was, but mm-hmm. then hey, people are back on the paleo diet, so. <laughs> I don't know, folks. What do you want to do? <laughs> she doesn't lie. <laughs> but, it, you know, and it was often used as an argument for not allowing queer people to have the relationships that they want. Because this is the natural way of the world mm. is that women are the gatherers and the nurturers and men are the hunters. And, you know, so that's why we can't let women work because it would be unnatural. And, right. You know, so mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff, we still kind of get from that. Yeah. And to be honest, we don't know what they were doing. We don't know what they were doing. We don't know what they were eating. We just don't know, people. Just stop it. It was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago, yeah. you know. Um. Right. So let's fast forward yeah. to the ancient age. Okay. Okay. So we're roughly 3000 BCE, before Common Era, uh-huh. to 500 CE common era. Oh, okay. So, within that time, we've got Jesus. Jesus is on the Jesus became a thing,
1: mm-hmm. and then it was
0: not a thing, mm-hmm. because he died, allegedly. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what else do you think of when I say
1: ancient age? I don't know. Big rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Teach me about the uh, ancient age. Are the big age. rocks
0: doing anything? <laughs>
1: mm, no. No. <laughs>
0: Big rocks. Okay, well, if you conceptualise those big rocks within pyramids, you'd be right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I meant. So we're thinking Bronze Age and Iron Age, Mm -hmm. okay? We invent the wheel. Mm -hmm. We invent writing. Mm. We've got ancient Persia, ancient China. People are doing things. People are doing so many things. People Mm. are developing really complex Mm. civilisations, particularly a lot of the places that... The Western world, later colonised, were doing really well at this Mm -hmm. period of time. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Sorry, guys. (laughs) So, ancient Persia, ancient China, ancient India, hanging gardens of Babylon, the Silk Road, pyramids, ancient Egypt, ancient Rome, ancient Greece, people getting round in togas, Mm -hmm. inventing laws. Okay. That's where we are. That's where we are. It's a big span of time. Yeah. That's where we are. So we've got one of the first known legal texts, so one of the best preserved, longest, and first known of legal texts um, from Babylon Mm -hmm. called the Code of Hammurabi. Mm -hmm. So it was around 1,755 to 1,750 Mm -hmm. before Common Era. Mm -hmm. Um, In it, it's got some of our first rape laws. Wow. Okay. So like way back then, we're already yeah. thinking about this and this is a problem. Mm. Okay. So I'm just going to read you some of it. So if a betrothed woman is raped by a man, then he will be put to death and she can go free.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So if a woman who is betrothed to be married mm-hmm. is raped by someone, mm-hmm. then he will be put to death. Mm-hmm. It's quite, kind of extreme, mm. but she gets to
1: go free. Right. Okay. A bit progressive, really, to be uh, honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It also she's (laughs) been (laughs) spoiled by going back in the day.
0: However, if a man rapes a married woman, Mm -hmm. it's going to be treated as adultery and they're both put to death. No matter what.
1: No progression there.
0: So there's really no There's no grey area there at all. There's no grey area. There's no ability to understand, well maybe actually she was raped Mm. by this person. Um so, there's some other laws that we see. So, immediately
1: back in the day, we we're already
0: looking at that blame.
1: We're already looking at blame. Yeah, it, we're already saying that she is just as involved in this. Yes. As he is. Essentially. And she yeah. deserves to die.
0: Yeah, we're also playing into that myth around well, certain rapes and war important than others or certain mm. certain rapes are worse than others because we're saying well it matters whether the woman's a virgin or whether she's married mm. right because that's going to affect what the punishment is when yeah. really because one of
1: them she gets to leave and one of them she's going kind up of dead precisely but yeah right
0: yeah. um and then we've got some laws the middle assyrian laws mm-hmm. so around 1450 to 1250 before common era mm-hmm. is when they were around um And these laws also show up in the Bible, and they're still there today. So check your Bible, folks. This is for those book club people out there. (laughs) Anyone who's in the book club, check it out. Mm -hmm. Um, So those laws essentially allow a father to rape the wife of a rapist. Okay? Mm -hmm. So if your daughter is raped by someone, Mm -hmm. you can go and find the rapist's wife and rape her in revenge. Right, a revenge raping. A revenge raping, totally okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, sort of an eye for an eye mm, situation. Yeah, you okay. rape mine, I'll rape yours. Mm-hmm. Right. Um We also have laws that allow or mandate a rapist to marry the victim mm. of rape. And that one continues for I a was very say long, long time. I feel like that's
1: not that old of a law. No. It, well, I mean, it is a very no, old law. Yeah, so, I mean, it's obviously a very old law, but yeah. I feel like that's still something I've heard about
0: yeah.
1: somewhat recently. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. in some cultures... You know, that continued for a very,
0: very long time. Yeah. Um, and then the, she's like damaged goods. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So we're going to talk about damaged goods and virginity in a second. Yeah, no worries. Um, so they would have to marry their victim, and in some cases they would have to pay a fine for the raping. A fine. yes. Yeah, so if you rape someone, you pay a fine. Okay. Or Because she is property? Bingo. Ding, ding, ding. Top marks. Ah. You are doing well at the history class. Yeah. So essentially all of these laws present a woman and the woman's virginity as the property of her husband mm-hmm. or her father. Yeah. And rape is considered sort of vandalism or property damage. And it sets up the man, either the husband or the father, as the victim of the rape. Yeah. They're the ones that have been damaged. Yeah, because it's their property. Because it's their property. Yeah. 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 Uh It also bakes in from the very start this inherent risk for a woman to accuse a man of rape Mm -hmm. because if she does, then
1: she's potentially going to die. Yeah, I was going to say, why would you accuse someone when it then puts that on yourself? Exactly. That you are now this idea of a... Damaged good. Yeah. And the reason why this is relevant
0: and why I bring it up is because when we start advocating in the 70s and 80s for marital rape to be illegal, Mm. there's a lot of hysteria around this figure of the vindictive wife and how if there's no consequences for accusing a man of rape, then the vindictive wife will accuse a man of rape just because... She didn't buy her the jewellery that she wants. And so, therefore, there needs to be this inherent risk in accusing a man of rape. Otherwise, women everywhere will just be doing it left, right, and centre, and it'll be chaos. And think of all the men's (laughs) reputations
1: that'll be ruined. Reputation,
0: Reputation.
1: Yep. (laughs) It's not grudge. It's not great. It's not grudge. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, 70s and 80s wasn't that long ago. No, it really wasn't. No. Um...
0: So, virginity. Let's talk about virginity a bit. All right,
1: yeah, yeah let's Because, do it.
0: you know, we've talked about how the virginity of the woman mm-hmm. is essentially the, the property that we're talking about and mm-hmm. the most valuable thing that we're talking about right yeah. now. So, Alicia, what is
1: virginity? Virginity is a social construct. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We could stop it there, to yeah. be honest. We could really just yeah, stop it. Just it. Yeah, just mic drop. Done. <laughs> it is a social construct that was. Oh, I want to say this. Um, really designed to frame women in a way that it reduces your value once you have yeah. had your first sexual debut. Yeah, drive it off the lot. She devalues, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I yeah. mean, it's like Virginia just talks about the first time that you've had sex, but it really yes. only matters what well, seems to only matter in the perspective of looking at a woman's virginity. Like you never think about a guy losing his virginity and that holding some sort of value or changing their
0: status as much. Yeah. I mean, I think certainly today that's socially Mm. true. Although a lot of religions and cultures still do say that technically both a man and a woman should be a virgin before Mm, marriage. But you very rarely see men actually held to that standard Mm. and very rarely see men punished either formally or otherwise Mm. for having lost their virginity um so you're right virginity is a social construct it's a bit of a tricky one because when
1: you start talking about okay someone who's never had sex what is sex Mm. you then need to define yes well i mean normally yes i guess if i'm i'm thinking about the version that i was told of virginity Mm -hmm. it is the It is if you haven't had penetrative sex, because then it's linked with the popping of the cherry. Yes. And the likelihood that you're going to bleed because your hymen's going to get ripped.
0: Correct. So in this construct, the cherry is the hymen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're right. Like when we talk about it in the traditional sense, we do kind of need to talk about it as in penis and vagina sex, penetrative sex, Mm. because it is linked to the condition of the hymen. Mm. Can you
1: define the hymen for us or would you like me to i could try but i might butcher it yeah sure you go for it all right so i see you've got that definition uh, there. look i got my notes
0: <laughs> i can't <came> prepare yeah <laughs> come on give me the definition of so the hymen the hymen is a rim of tissue in the outer portion of the vagina mm-hmm. it's uh believed to essentially seal the vagina mm-hmm. off in a lot of these cultures that believe that virginity is very important mm-hmm. um It doesn't act like a freshness seal, folks. No. It's not a Tupperware. It's a vagina. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. So the reason it doesn't act as a freshness seal is because it's really elastic. Mm. Okay. So often it can actually withstand penetrative sex without tearing. Mm. So you might not bleed on your first time, contrary to the popular myth that you need to check for blood on her sheets to Mm. see if they've actually had sex.
1: Yeah.
0: That might not happen, okay? It's very often already perforated or broken Mm -hmm. in a lot of women and it can break from a lot of activities. It doesn't even necessarily need to be rigorous activities, Mm. you know. Often, back in the day, women would be prevented from riding horseback because Mm. that might break their hymen. Yeah. Okay? You're not going to lose your virginity from doing dressage, folks. (laughs) Stop it. Stop (laughs) it. Okay. Um, You might break your hymen, though. Mm. Yes. Yes. You might break your hymen from horseback riding, from riding a bike, from doing sport, from Mm -hmm. a whole range of just very innocent
1: Mm.
0: and not non-sexual acts. Non-sexual acts. And not even necessarily anything particularly rigorous. Yeah. It might just already be broken. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Why are we all in such a tease about virginity?
1: Ugh. Because, (laughs) I guess, like, why do we
0: value virginity? Yeah, why why have so many cultures for so long cared so much about virginity to the point that we still care about it today? I mean, people are still taking vows of purity before marriage and and all sorts of things like that.
1: Uh, Because, I don't know, you hold a particular value if you haven't had sex or that you... The idea that you are more pure and yeah. you haven't had sex and therefore that someone would want to be with you more and you're more desirable because you yeah. haven't had sex. Yeah. I guess.
0: Yeah. I think that there's a popular historical conceptualization mm. that ensuring a woman is a virgin before she's married essentially ensures your line of paternity. Oh, that makes way more sense. Yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> so, like, I actually don't understand why I would care that much, to be honest. So if you're a woman and you have a baby, mm-hmm. you can be pretty sure that that baby's yours, mm. particularly before artificial insemination was a thing. As right? the woman. As the woman. Yeah. As the woman, you're pretty sure that that baby came from you, you grew it, it's yours. So you don't need to feel anxious or insecure about that. Mm. Men, on the other hand, can't know for sure that that's actually their kid, right? Mm. So that becomes really important when we think about monarchy, when we think about nobility, when we think about legacy, when Mm. people basically claim power because of their divine family rights as in my family has been ordained by god to lead all you peasants therefore give me all your money and your food which then if my wife has never had sex yes and then the
1: only time she's ever had sex is with me then i know for sure i know for sure that is my heir exactly yeah okay yeah
0: yeah so that's
1: well. now we've got tests
0: i mean we do I would argue that maybe we don't need to care that much. We also
1: don't really care.
0: And that nobody should have more privilege than anybody else because a divinity ordained it. But you know that's just me being a filthy
1: socialist. (laughs) 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 So (laughs) I guess like what is interesting is like, you know, I never really even thought about where that comes from. Mm. You know, the Mm. idea of why we care about virginity. Like I know it's something that has always there's always been a narrative around it. Yeah. But I'd never really thought about that as being the narrative, which is so interesting because that is not relevant anymore. No, it's not relevant anymore.
0: But now we have millennia of layering on top of that religious and cultural beliefs around virginity being linked to purity and virginity Mm. being religiously important, Mm. right? So we've now been living with this for so long that it's impossible to sort of extract Mm probably original
1: purpose of it, from all the religious beliefs yeah. around it. Yeah. Um, Which sort of then start to talk about, like, your character as a person and what it says about you. Yes. I mean, it, it reminds me of the tissue story. Do you remember Ooh, the tissue story? Oh,
0: okay. Is the tissue story going to be told by Sam or Alex? So
1: uh, have we introduced Sam and Alex to... We haven't. Let's talk about okay. Sam and Alex. Okay, we're going to talk about Sam okay. and Alex. So Sam and Alex are our hypothetical friends yes or a couple at times yep they're going to be our two people that can role play situations or can provide stories from their perspective
0: yep yeah so essentially if we want to talk about our own experiences but we don't have consent or we don't necessarily want to out other people that you know we've come across before Mm -hmm. um, we might use Sam and Alex as an example Mm -hmm. if we've got Stories that we've heard from friends, but they don't necessarily want to be known. We'll use Sam and uh, Sam and Alex, mm-hmm. so it doesn't identify anyone. It doesn't necessarily make anyone feel uncomfortable if they're not happy being public about oh. their stories or their experiences. But it helps us still communicate to you. And it might not necessarily be a real person either. Oh. Sometimes it'll be a hypothetical scenario. It might be a, yeah, hypothetical. So scenario. that we can describe things to
1: you. So we're going to have these people, people hmm. Sam and Alex. So. Okay. Sam and the Tissue Story. Sam and the Tissue Story. So, yeah. Sam went to a religious yeah. high school. and All-girls school. All-girls school. Yeah. And I remember her telling us about her experience in sex ed um, back in the day. And she told us about this tissue story, which I think sort of illustrates this idea of virginity quite well. Yeah, absolutely. Um you might have to correct me in parts of the story if I get it wrong. No worries. But my memory is that she said that essentially the whole class got given, um like, tissues each. One tissue each. Yeah, one one tissue each. Yeah. Yes. We need to be very clear about you that. You only get one virginity. Yes. So you get one tissue. One tissue each. And then was it, you were meant to go around and shaking hands with people? Oh, I don't remember that part. Maybe. Yeah. Because that's how we got... We lost bits of our tissue.
0: Oh no! So as I remember, yeah, you, maybe was. you tell the
1: story. I'm <laughs> Sorry, I'm telling the story.
0: I, as I remember it, the teacher would then say, "Okay, tear a piece off your tissue if you have shaken hands with someone." Mm. That's what it was. Yeah. Tear a piece of off your tissue if you have kissed someone. Mm. Tear a piece of tissue off if you have done X, Y, Z mm. act before. Yes. And then by the end of that list, you are left
1: with a little bit of tissue.
0: I mean, some people were left with a little bit of tissue. I imagine other people might have been left with a complete tissue. We don't know. Yes, true. Who knows?
1: Who knows? I wasn't in Sam's
0: class. But I tell you what, when the teacher said, okay, that tissue represents what you're going to give to your husband, Mm. you didn't want to be the kid that had a raggedy-ass tissue, did you? You You were there
1: being like, can I get another tissue? You want
0: to be the kid with the whole clean
1: Kleenex, Mm -hmm. you know? You don't want to be the guy that has like a little raggedy-ass piece of shit. And this is still the pressure we are placing on virginity. Yeah, exactly. And that is, you know, a story from Sam who that education is is recent. Recent education.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I saw an amazing TikTok recently where they reversed the role, where they were teaching virginity as a concept to boys as Mm -hmm. they do to girls. Mm -hmm. And I might actually put the link for that in the show notes because it's hilarious. Okay. So check it out. All right,
1: brilliant. (laughs)
0: Um, okay back to history check back to history check and to virginity and why we care so much about Mm -hmm. virginity so essentially yeah ensuring paternity and Mm -hmm. now we've got all of these religious and cultural attachments to it can you think of any reasons as to why that's problematic in this day and age
1: I can think lots of reasons as to why that's problematic let's talk about it yeah Uh, I mean the idea of virginity yeah um we, we don't have just hetero relationships anymore mm-hmm. is is one thing. Mm-hmm. So your original construct around virginity doesn't necessarily make sense. Yeah. Anymore. Because yep. it's not gonna necessarily always be penetrative sex. Exactly. And we also understand that sex is not always penetrative. Mm-hmm. Like there's lots of other different acts we can do that still count as sex. Yeah. So that's that? Does that? Yeah, absolutely. Um I guess the other thing is that like there's more education around the hymen now as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, people also use tampons Yeah. as well, which can be, I mean, there's something else that can at times, I guess, like move the hymen or tear the hymen. But For sure. And my understanding
0: is that super religious and conservative cultures that believe in this basically don't allow women to use tampons before marriage because that is something that could damage their hymen. Yeah.
1: Right. yeah. Well, and like I remember something that I actually learnt, and I, this might be – not complete fact yeah but I remember hearing that um I was like researching this at some point in time and essentially I found out that the hymen can sort of like stretch and move yes depending on like how aroused someone can be as well Mm. so there's lots of times that you could have sex and like you might not have yeah wow that circumstance and so which also alludes to sometimes maybe like people's bodies weren't actually in a state to be having like
0: correct
1: sex in a way that's not painful. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know? So not only do you need to not have sex before marriage, when you do, you need to have bad sex Yeah, well,
1: it's... Yeah, that's pretty much sort of what it's saying. Yeah. Which is... That's not great. Yeah. And yeah. then also that for some people, if you've got, like, a hymen that's, like, fully covering as well, that mm-hmm. there's actually medical things that can be related to that. For mm-hmm. some people, that's, you know, you actually I you actually have to go have a medical procedure done because... That's not the more common...
0: Yeah, well, even thing. if you think about it in the concept of menstruation, I mean, you actually do need that perforation to be able to pass menstrual blood. Mm. If your hymen is completely sealed over, then how do you pass mm. menstrual blood? Uh-huh. And So that can cause all sorts of problems. Yeah. Um, yeah, the other huge problem with it is that it can be the foundation for continued violence against women mm. or uterus owners Mm -hmm. um, because there's things like virgin checks. So a lot of cultures and countries and people will do virgin checks on women before they're married, women Mm -hmm. and girls. Um, So the UN and the World Health Organization have called for an end to this, for a ban to this because – So people are still doing virgin checks Oh, people are still doing it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of places where this is still common practice. Right. So women are subject to, you know, obviously really invasive yeah. tests to essentially ensure that they're a virgin. And mm. if they fail that test, then they're subject to violence, to ostracism, to yeah. all sorts of really horrendous mm. outcomes. But the problem with the test is that it's not scientifically valid because as we've just discussed, there's all sorts of reasons why your hymen might be damaged. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. So that's, that's not great. And then subsequent to that, if you fail these virgin tests, not only could you be subject to something like an honour killing, but you, there's also these then these procedures to essentially restore your hymen. So there's, like, surgeries right. to restore your hymen to a virginal state like hymenoplasties which women might feel like they have no choice but to do in order to avoid the violence that might be placed upon them by their family or by their community or even just the social consequences you know the ostracism and Mm. the the dishonor that 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 comes with that that comes with it yeah Mm -hmm. even if it's not like the most extreme levels of honor killings there's still a lot of shame a lot of stigma a lot of consequence around that or even just you know not being able to make a good marriage, where Mm. that might be important for you within that culture, particularly if it's a culture where you as a woman have less rights. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Mm. it's it's not great. It's not serving women. No, it's really not
1: taking care of women at
0: all. No. So virginity is bullshit, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately a lot of our – ancient laws are still sort of based upon that. Yeah, concept. I mean, our current
1: laws yeah.
0: sound like they're based upon those ancient laws. The, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why we needed to take a little minute to really explore virginity. Yeah, so. absolutely. All right. Let's skip back. So we're still in the ancient era. We're still talking pyramids. We're still mm-hmm. talking all that stuff. Togas. Um, togas, all that. We've also got some laws, so the Hittite laws, and also known as the Code of Nisilim. Uh-huh. I'm probably mispronouncing everything horrendously. I'm very sorry. I know. Still, my best. <laughs> You're teaching me. <laughs> um, so this is some other, some similar to um, the Code of. Hamarubi is ancient legal code dating from one thousand six hundred and fifty mm-hmm. to one thousand five hundred mm-hmm. BCE. So that's before, old com- before common era, so again mm-hmm. pre Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also in the Bible, still pretty much word for word. <laughs> this is still in the Bible. This this what right. I'm about to read you. Right. Okay. So this law outlines the differences on what should happen based on where a rape occurs. Okay. If a man seizes a woman in the mountain, it is the man's crime and he will be killed. But if he seizes her in the house, it is the woman's crime and the woman shall be killed. If the husband finds them...
1: So I should run to the mountain.
0: (laughs) Yeah, if you're going to be raped... (laughs) If you're going to be raped, ideally, be raped in a mountain. Just get to the mountain is yeah. what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. There's some <laughs> other versions of this where you can read field and city mm-hmm. instead of house and mountain. Yeah. Okay. Again, translations. Yeah. They're a bit dodge. Mm. Okay. Um, if the husband finds him them, he may kill them and there shall be no punishment for him. What? Yeah. So if you,
1: as a man. Wait, and this is still in the Bible. Yeah. It is.
0: interesting. I mean, there's a lot of really questionable treatment of women in the Bible. I probably shouldn't go into that too much because <laughs> someone will come for me. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect, and I'm also not a biblical scholar, but, you know, people in the book club just mm. reflect on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, still in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So essentially the, the point of this mm-hmm. is that what they're saying is if a woman is raped in her house or in the city, there would be people around, and so she could cry for help. Mm. Okay? If she's raped out in the field or in the right. mountain, there's nobody around, so she can't cry for help. Mm-hmm. So essentially what they're saying is that if a woman says that she was raped in the city or in her home, she's lying.
1: Yeah, because you would have heard her.
0: Because she would have yelled out for help.
1: Which that feeds into... Your myth you had previously. Oh, it
0: sure does. So, the myth that non-consent is verbally articulated, evidenced by a struggle and results in physical injuries, that sexual assault is more likely committed by a stranger, and that the accusation of rape is easily made but difficult to challenge. Damn. All of those myths.
1: All of those myths fit into that one? Fit into that, yeah. And how old are we looking? That was B.C., wasn't it? Oh,
0: yeah. That was 1,650 B.C.E. to 1,500 B.C.E. Long-ass time ago. That was, a, that was a hot minute ago. Uh, yeah, a whole hot minute ago. Oh. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, really... Give some context. Give <laughs> some context to that. Is concerning. Mm. All right, let's have a look specifically at ancient Greek and Rome. Uh-huh. The peeps and the turgas, okay? Um, rape and abduction themes are really, really common in Greek art and mythology. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole discussion that you can have about what that means. You could say that, you know, it's very normalising of rape and abduction. But on the other hand, there is often revenge stories around that as Mm. well. And there are a few goddesses who really hold their own and get revenge on their rapist um, or go after, you know, the rapist of their daughter, Mm. for example. So it's interesting just to note how prevalent it was in yep. the culture and how much it featured in the culture. Um, rape was actually a capital offence, meaning it would be a death penalty. Uh-huh. Um, and this was interestingly for both men and women, so mm-hmm. it acknowledges both, mm-hmm. okay? Um, as in if you rape a man, you will still die. That's mm-hmm. They actually make specific mention of that. Although... Greeks particularly are famously a bit more permissive around Mm. gay homosexual relationships. Yeah, they were quite a lot
1: more open to that back in the day.
0: Yes, so that's probably where that's coming from. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, raping slaves and sex workers or raping people in the spoils of war, totally legal. That's fine. Right. Particularly because slaves and people like sex workers suffered from a condition, a a legal condition (laughs) known as infamia. So that's where we get infamy from. Mm -hmm. So essentially this concept that because they have degraded themselves and they are of lower social standing, they are not afforded the same legal protections that other citizens would be. So now we've got that myth that some sexual assaults are more serious and damaging than others. Yeah, yeah. Some sexual assaults are more valid than others. So if you're a sex worker and you're raped, oh, it's just theft really, isn't it? It's not actually <sighs> an assault yeah. against the person. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the
1: old Greekies were saying.
0: Essentially, Mm -hmm. and I think that we can still see this as an issue today in terms of victim blaming.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, And
0: in terms of... I was going to say, it's still quite a current narrative, really. Yeah, well, I just wanted to read out to you something that good old ScoMo, Scott Morrison, our current Prime Minister, said. Do you remember when uh, he was announcing that uh, he would be looking into Brittany Higgins' alleged rape by a male colleague in the ministerial office? Mm, You can refresh me. Okay. So what he said was, Jenny and I spoke last night and she said to me, you have to think about this as a father first. What would happen if it were our girls? Jenny has a way of clarifying things. Mm. Always has. Mm -hmm. So essentially... There was a huge backlash at this at the time because he's basically saying, oh, well, when I thought about it in the concept concept of my own daughters, mm. then I didn't know that to happen. Now it matters. Now it matters yeah. because I'm imagining that she's a, my daughter. But it should matter even if she's not somebody's oh, it daughter. Anyways. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, again, we've really got to fight that myth of, Certain rapes to certain people or certain assaults to certain people mm. are fine. It yeah. don't matter. It should matter for everyone, mm. regardless of who you are, regardless of whether you're a daughter, regardless mm. of whether you're a friend,
1: regardless mm. of whether we like you or not. Mm. Being assaulted is never okay. Yeah, absolutely. Full stop. It also shows us, though, which, mm. I mean, this is no secret, mm. but that these beliefs are rough within our yeah. very powerful yeah. people in our society. Yeah, yeah, because I'm pretty sure he
0: still had a PR consultant and a empathy coach at that point mm. and he's out here saying shit like that. What a job. What a job. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about the consent of the person that was raped within ancient Greek and Roman culture particularly. It wasn't really considered at first because seduction was also included within this rule. So what that means is that Essentially, the head of the family was the one who was allowed to give consent for someone to marry or someone to have sexual relationships with someone. Mm -hmm. If someone had consensual sexual relationships with someone else and the head of the family hadn't consented to that, Mm -hmm. it was considered seduction. And so it still wasn't legal because... The only way that that would be legal... Is coming from the head of the family. ...is coming from the head of the family. Mm-hmm. So seduction and rape were kind of lumped in as one. Mm. So therefore the consent of the person doesn't matter. The only yeah. the consent of the head of the family is yep. what matters. That was later sort of changed, but the consent of the person only mattered because it would change the severity of the punishment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so... If a woman engaged in adultery, she would be punished more severely than if it was rape. But if it was rape, she was still punished. Isn't that fun? <laughs> isn't that, isn't that isn't fun? That fun? Mm. <laughs> um, so I guess what this means is that it sets the woman up to always be the co defendant in her mm. rape because so, she has to prove her innocence yeah. and she has to prove her lack of consent. Yeah. Um, But she's still going to be punished. She's still going to be punished. So we get, you know, those myths around a true or genuine victim of sexual assault doesn't delay reporting, Mm. and that they are inherently unreliable, and that they would lie about sexual assault. So we're still going to punish her anyway, Mm. because she's probably lying, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, And also, we're going to punish her because it's a woman's job to safeguard her virginity, if she's a virgin. Or to safeguard the honour of her husband by not allowing anybody else to sexually assault her. Mm -hmm. So, again.
1: It's her job. It's her job. She should be the withholder of sex.
0: To safeguard her own personal sexual safety. Mm -hmm. Even though she has less rights in this society, it's still her job to safeguard her own safety. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. All right, we've gotten ourselves to the medieval period. <laughs> Congratulations, you made it! Yay. So, medieval period, uh, middle ages, dark ages, mm-hmm. all the same sort of time period. Um, so, we're looking at 500 common era mm-hmm. to 1500 common era, mm-hmm. so after Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you think of
1: when I think medieval period? Medieval period, yeah. I'm thinking like shields and Battles, yeah, absolutely. And We've helmets. got the crusades, yeah, yeah,
0: big deal in the medieval period. Crusades, well done. Anything else? No, no? Okay, I'm that's still cool. thinking
1: like a lot of rape, a lot, a, a lot, lot of rape, of rape. <laughs> a lot of rape, you know, rape and pillage,
0: um, famine, mm-hmm. plague, Vikings, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the women in the funny ass hats with no hair on their foreheads, and paintings of children that look like depressed mini adults. All of that. All of period. that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. So in this time, sex is framed within the idea that it is for procreation only, mm-hmm. and that ideally you would be celibate. The holiest way to be is to be celibate. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you are, it is sort of acknowledged that people are going to have sex, mm-hmm. and so the only way to do that in the sort of least sinful way possible mm-hmm. is to do it within marriage. Right. So the church is very much encouraging people to get married because they know that they're going to fuck. Mm-hmm. And said so like, if you have to fuck, just do it. Do within it marriage. within marriage. Yeah. And there was this saying that it was better better to marry than to burn. So essentially, it's better to marry and have sex than to go to hell for yeah. having sex outside of marriage. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, women at the time were actually seen as hornier than men. I know. Okay, right. So they had this idea of the humors, okay, which were different states that people were in. Uh-huh. Men were considered as hot and dry. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby, hot yeah, and baby. dry. <laughs> I'm
1: so hot and dry, for
0: you baby. <laughs> and so it was actually considered kind of dangerous for men to have too much sex or to masturbate too much because they would be depriving themselves from a fluid, and they're already dry. <laughs> Um whereas women were considered cold and wet, therefore semen is really great for them. Because well, it,
1: <laughs> come here with your body it would heat. it would warm them up. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow.
0: and they're already wet so they can't really get much wetter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Weird time. Weird it, time. It was a weird time. Yeah, right? we
1: have a little bit of a mix up. There. Um
0: it was also believed that in order to conceive, a woman must also orgasm.
1: Interesting. Very we cared about role. women's right? orgasms. We
0: cared so much about women's orgasms because technically, the only sin-free way to have sex is in procreation.
1: And so you always want people. So orgasming. you always
0: want women to orgasm because without both the man and the woman orgasming, you can't procreate. And the only purpose, or the only holy Mm. purpose for sex, is procreation, right? I know. So they believed that essentially, like the man ejaculates and has semen, or what Mm. they would call the seed. (laughs) I know, creepy. That a woman also ejaculated and mixed her seed with the man's seed, and from that you would get procreation, right? So we really cared about women's orgasm. Women
1: to have cummies.
0: right? Um, so both the man and the woman within marriage had the right mm-hmm. to demand sex from their partner. Nice. Right? So they had the legal right to sex from their partner. Yeah, okay. Which led to some really interesting annulments mm. where people would accuse the other person of withholding or being unable to give them sex. Yeah. Okay. Because that's the purpose of marriage, right? Is it's... sex and procreation. Mm-hmm. So this actually like recorded incidents of women accusing their husbands of being impotent and then they would get sex workers in to try and get the men off to then prove. So like right. this guy would be in front of a whole bunch of people being <laughs> jacked off by a oh prostitute. to
1: like, see?
0: To see? Prove- <laughs> wow. <laughs> to prove whether or not he's impotent. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. That gets you hard. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about performance anxiety. Yeah, my Lord. <laughs> oh, Yeah, a whole new mean to edging. Thinking, don't come, don't come, don't, don't come. What <laughs> oh, um, well scenario? So, I mean, the other thing to remember is that having rights doesn't necessarily mean that you can exercise them mm-hmm. because women still didn't have the vote. Women still weren't mm-hmm. taken seriously as men within legal proceedings. Mm. So... Women did have the right um, to demand sex, but may not have successfully been able to prosecute that, yeah. particularly if he could then get off with a prostitute. Um, rape was a capital punishment, mm-hmm. so death sentence, Right, but it was very rarely successfully prosecuted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's kind of how it was. So yeah. even though it technically was, was punishment in practice, don't think it would have been that much. Yeah. Um, and we still have all of that bullshit around virginity yeah. still existing. There was still quite ice. a lot
1: of like, eye for an eye stuff back then as well, wasn't there?
0: Yeah. I think it was more probably what would have been more prevalent is the marrying your rapist mm. in order to preserve the, the honour of the family um, mm-hmm. and, but like, paying fines or dowries to families yeah, right. if you've taken a woman's honour. Um, what's interesting about the time is that in order to be married, you didn't actually have to have a priest or anyone present. You could actually just say the vows to wow. each other. So there is some incidences where it's it's not – certain but it seems that young lovers may have forced their families to allow them to marry each other by saying the vows mm. and then they're technically married huh. and there's nothing anybody can do about it wow. essentially Cheeky. um so yeah oh, interesting um reportedly in sort of nordic countries viking communities and stuff things were a bit better in terms of women had more rights mm-hmm. um but I found it very difficult to find any reputable resources. So if you're a history buff on that, send it my way. We'd love to look at it. Um, but we get this whole idea that women can't be sexually assaulted by their spouse, mm-hmm. right? Because in the very act of consenting to marriage, mm-hmm. what you're doing is consenting to that person having sexual rights to mm. you. And you're owing them sex. And you owing them yeah, sex. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, saying
1: we're still trying to step away from now. Yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely. So um, one thing that I just wanted to comment on as well is this idea that women needed to come in order to conceive because we've still got some complicated ideas around whether it is sexual assault or rape if she enjoyed it and Mm. the evidence that she enjoyed it. So I don't know if you heard about this or not, but – there, over in America, there was an interview by a guy called Todd Atkin, who was an American politician, in 2012 when he was discussing abortion, mm-hmm. and he this said. This is an interview. Yeah. yeah. See, so this was an interview that he did in 2012, and within that interview, he said, "If it's a legitimate rape, the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down." <laughs> and essentially, that was his argument that abortion shouldn't be allowed for cases of rape because, because if she was really raped, she wouldn't get pregnant. So, like, this is obviously something that is still believed by our leaders. I mean, not our, as in Australian mm, leaders, but
1: like global. But globally,
0: mm. this is an issue. That's a
1: big issue. Yeah.
0: So that's not true. Mate. For anyone who doesn't know, yeah, uh, rape can still and does result in pregnancy. Yeah. Um,
1: imagine having the audacity to say that. Yeah. I'm
0: like, Look, my understanding is that he later apologised for it, but, Oh, well, that makes it okay. <laughs> I mean,
1: the, the concern for me is more that he, that was his legitimate belief. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It's like, it's yeah, it's not even the saying. Yeah. like, because even him apologising, I'm like, yeah, cool, great. You realise that no one else agrees with you. But I'm yeah. like, you still obviously... That's how you feel, that's what you think.
0: That's well that's what you believe to be true. Yeah. Which if you believe that to be true, how many other people believe that to be true? Yeah. And also if you're an educated white man in one of the positions of leadership and, you're still believing that and to you be believe true. that, what kind of decisions are you gonna make over mm. women's bodies and women's rights? Yeah. It's a bit concerning. So concerning. Yeah. Alrighty, we're finished with the medieval age. See
1: you, medieval.
0: <laughs> Bye. Bye. We're now in modern era, okay? So we're talking 1500 uh, common era uh-huh. to 1800 common era, uh-huh. okay? So modern era, can you think of anything notable? No? No, not Okay. Really. King Henry, all those wives, mm. right? Oh, yes. Elizabeth I, Uh Uh, Mary I, aka Bloody Mary, Uh Um, Catherine the Great, witch hunts, European colonisation, Europe and Britain start acting a fool on the world stage. Acting a fool. Why? (laughs) Why do we have to go and do that? Um, Slave Uh trades. Pirates. French Revolution. Cut off her head. Marie Mm. Antoinette's gone. Um, American Revolution, they kick out the British. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot happens in this so period much is as well. Happening. So that just gives you some context mm-hmm. of like what's going on. Okay. So the 18th century is when there was a huge change in the perception of female sexual- sexuality. Okay. The reason for this is that we start doing some scientific experimentation. And we get artificial insemination. Oh, wow. So through these experiments, they then realise that actually the female orgasm isn't necessary for conception. Uh-huh. And consequently, we don't care about it. Yeah. I was <laughs> going to say...
1: That's where we go, actually, we don't care about women's orgasms yeah. anymore.
0: So the 18th century is when we start doing these experiments and realising this. At the time, there was a sex manual that was in widespread production called Aristotle's Masterpiece. Mm-hmm. wasn't written by Aristotle, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, by the 19th century, so the next century,
1: Almost all copies did not mention the clitoris, and folks, we have been looking for it ever since. <laughs> ever since. I mean, only this year they're actually making, like, proper 3D models, models. of yeah. the clitoris. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow.
0: Um, really influential doctors at the time wrote that women were not bothered by sexual desire at all and simply endured it for the babies. Well, um, no,
1: we've taken different steps since... Really, medieval times yeah
0: absolutely um or they wrote that women had less sexual desire uh or that if they did have sexual desire this was pathologized and it was dangerous Mm. and i think we'll talk deviance yeah Mm. so we'll talk a lot more about hysteria Mm -hmm. specifically within our sex toy episode yeah um, yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. um because this is essentially where we get women being pathologized for being horny mm-hmm. and then doctors <laughs> inventing the vibrator to wank them off medically mm-hmm. because they're so sick. That's treatment. For being horny. hmm Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later in depth. Yeah. Death. Yeah. Um, At the time, the authorities were trying to deal with this huge wave of extramarital sex and illegitimate children, Mm -hmm. okay? This this was a huge problem. So controlling female sexuality is basically a way of restoring social order. Mm. Um, And sexual desire also was seen as sort of an uncontrollable emotion. So it then plays into colonialism because we basically frame... Civilised and uncivilised, as civilised being white and British Mm -hmm. and European, and uncivilised being brown or any other Mm colour from any other part of the world, Mm -hmm. where frequently rules around sexuality and relationships were less rigid.
1: Yeah. So
0: right. if you were freer sexually, if you had less rules around sexuality or relationships, mm. that was classed as uncivilised. Mm. Where being more rigid around sexuality, having less sexuality, mm. um, having more rigid rules around relationships, that was considered to be civilised. Yeah. And so the perfect... More revered. Exactly. So mm. the perfect British woman is now cast in this role of sort of passive and sexless and chaste because that's all very controlled and yeah. that's all very civilised, mm-hmm. right? Um, also, the Victorian era is very much about sort of man's dominion over nature and our ability to control nature mm-hmm. because we're, you know, starting up factories and we're really mm. industrialising and urbanising at the time. So, sort of, uncontrolled sexual urges was considered to be a natural force and something to be dominated, mm-hmm. just like the natural landscape or natural resources. Yeah, right. Interesting. Um, So because women are starting to be cast as this sort of passive chaste, sexless version mm. of themselves... Yeah. The women who have more... And that's being idolised as well. That's being idolised as well. And because there's so many illegitimate children and there's a huge amount of prostitution as well, women then start to be, particularly women with illegitimate children, start to be cast as more victims Mm -hmm. of men rather than... You know, some of them were also cast as the sort of the the, the victims of their own wantonness, uh-huh. but that w- wantonness was itself pathologized. So the ideal and quote unquote normal woman didn't have that wantonness or that uh-huh. sexual desire. So other women were more victims uh-huh. of men. Um, there was a lot of other social problems at the time mm-hmm. so prostitution as i said was at an all-time high mm-hmm. venereal disease it was also at an all-time high um child prostitution and slavery was becoming a big issue and a big scandal yeah. alcoholism and domestic abuse huge problem single mothers had essentially no protection or assistance from the government mm-hmm. and women got paid less and could do less jobs and had poorer working conditions. So we have enter the suffragettes. Mm -hmm. Do you know anything about the suffragettes?
1: Some things. What do you know? Uh, I mean, when I think suffragettes, I think Mary Poppins. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think women's rights.
0: Yes, absolutely. So uh, the suffragettes basically pointed out how men had all the protections in society Mm -hmm. and that Society had failed to adequately protect women Mm -hmm. and so women should be able to get the vote in order to vote in legislation which would actually protect them because men and society had failed them. And they also pointed out how a lot of the problems in society were being perpetrated by men. Mm -hmm. Um, So we start to get more of that framing around the myth that one in three believed rape resulted from men not being able to control their sexual needs. So we can see how that's starting to be into. So we're switching the narrative from women are uncontrollable and want sex all the time Mm. to all of a sudden women actually hate sex and men are uncontrollable Mm. animals. Right? Okay. We're nearly there. (laughs) We're now in the late modern period. Okay? (laughs) So we're 1800 common era Mm -hmm. to current day. Mm -hmm. That's when that covers. So we're thinking... Queen Victoria. We've invented the light bulb. Uh-huh. The car was invented. We had World War One and two. <laughs> we invented the internet. <laughs> we're, here. we're here. Hopefully, we're not about to do World War Three. Uh, Please. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. So, women now have the vote, thanks to the suffragettes. Cheers. Woop, woop, woop. Woo, woo. <laughs> thanks. thanks, suffragettes. Thanks very much. Divorce is also now widespread uh-huh. and is becoming more legalised, much more. Um, commonly seen in society, which raises the question at what point during a divorce could a person continue to demand sex from their spouse if sex is a right of marriage, right? Because divorce is not instant, divorce is not overnight. Yeah, right. Okay, so let's say you're divorcing a person and that divorce lasts months, mm. at what point or at what form do you no longer allow? your partner to demand sex of you, it
1: becomes a bit of an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um I mean, my thoughts would be the moment that you filed for divorce. Sure, um, yeah. You know? But but, like, but legally, yeah.
0: technically, <laughs> <laughs> what point are you actually allowed? Yeah, yeah. So it becomes a, a complicated question mm-hmm. because you can no longer just assume that getting married allows the, or the getting married allows, implies yeah. the consent ...for the rest of your lives because it's now actually no longer for the rest of your lives, right, because many people do get divorced Mm -hmm. now. Um, So there was the rise of the feminist movements in the 70s. They did a lot to fight for the criminalisation of marital rape. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, marital rape was criminalised in all Australian jurisdictions, starting with the partial criminalisation in 1976, Mm -hmm. uh, full criminalisation in 1981... Queensland was the last state to criminalise marital rape in mm-hmm. 1989, and the Northern Territory followed that in 1994. Right. And here so we, are. we finally got to the point where all forms of rape, mm. including marital rape, are now illegal. Mm-hmm. Okay. It took a long it took a long, time. long ass time, mm. and during that campaign of the feminists during. That time in the '70s, there was a lot of backlash from society. There was a lot of, "Well, we can't do that because women will be accusing men left, right, and centre just, just because they didn't." the
1: sanctity of a home.
0: Yeah, there was mm. a lot of backlash around the sanctity of a home. The mm. government should be shouldn't be involved in people's bedrooms. Yeah,
1: um, it's an Which, attack though, I'm on. Sorry, but the sanctity of a home has been ruined. The moment, yeah, that you have had rape,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's It's an attack on the family. Mm. It's an attack on, yeah, the society in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of, well, it's just going to cause chaos and the downfall of society because mm. women will just say that they raped them because he didn't buy her that scarf he wanted yeah, or, right. or that she wanted. Yeah. Um, so we got through all that. Yeah, well, we got through Thankfully.
1: There.
0: 1994. 1994, mm-hmm. marital rape illegal so i guess that's where we sit now yeah <laughs> um we'll probably go over like current day laws in our next episode yeah yeah what else do you reckon we'll explore in our next
1: episode In the next episode we might even just start with like rape culture generally just yeah. some discussions about you know we've just looked through history and about mm-hmm what that looks like, Mm -hmm. but I guess obviously we're not living in the Stone Age anymore. Yes. So the way that rape culture is represented now is going to look very differently. Yes. So our next episodes will probably unpack quite a lot around how rape culture unfolds currently, how you can see it in today's society, the way that we continue to perpetuate that, all the sort of challenging narratives Mm -hmm. involved in rape culture and coercion, Mm -hmm. and then sort of the... Changes that we're now seeing in the laws, you know. Yeah. You just said that those laws happened in 1994. We're seeing new laws and new changes coming about consent laws and consent education. So, we'll have discussions around that. Yeah. And then, furthermore, consent education and just a few more discussions around some practical ways that we can sort of have some dialogue around consent as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think we're
0: probably going to have, like, at least two more episodes focusing on this. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then we'll move on to something else fun. Yeah, absolutely, yeah,
1: cool. But thank you for your history check.
0: You're so welcome. My gosh. Yeah. Look, it ended up being a lot bigger than I anticipated mm. at first, but I think it really it was important to cover because it really sets up the foundation of why we believe all the things that we believe, or why mm. there's so many common myths
1: that people buy into mm. today, and just how long this has been going on for. What that's what is illustrated so well yeah is the long standingness of it yeah you know the fact that we can trace this back through Mm. years and years and years Mm. it explains why we are still having these struggles now yeah and why there so many of these beliefs are so entrenched and even for people that it impacts negatively which is everyone yeah why you still have so many complex views around it because this is where these teachings have come from yeah exactly Mm. Well, thank you. No worries. Amazing. Okay. Well, we will chat to you next time, we'll guys. We'll chat to you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Hope you enjoyed the history check. Hope you learned something. Mm-hmm. And we will chat to you on our next episode, and we will see you on the socials. Amazing. Bye. Thanks, Bye.
0: Okay, folks. That's all we have for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. It helps new people to find us so that we can continue bringing you this quality content. We would like to say thank you to Pablo, our producer, and also to all the beautiful people who support us in the background. If you would like to get in contact with us to leave us some feedback, to ask a question or to suggest topics for future episodes, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram at here to FCK Spiders Podcast, or you can write us an email at here to fckspiders at gmail.com. We will also leave this information in the show notes for you in case you need it. We will also include in the show notes some crisis numbers just in case any of the information that we brought up in this podcast is disturbing or distressing for you. Please do not hesitate to use these numbers if you need them. Some other options might be mental health support services in your local area or a safe friend or family member. Once again, Alicia and I would like to thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a lovely day and be kind to yourself.